This is Learned It From An 80s Song. I am your coach, Patricia Freiberg. This is I Love The 80s meets the healing of storytelling and the positive impact of music. Inspiring guests share their powerful stories, yielding incredible strengths. Through both story and music, this podcast will elevate your mood, providing you with a positive outlook. It will ignite recall so that you can tap into your own life experiences. We don't just hear the knowledge and wisdom gained from our podcast guests. Through powerful story, we can live it. Today, we have a very special guest. Please welcome Lisa Pizik. Lisa is a business strategist, number one international Amazon best-selling author, Thrive Global author, worldwide speaker, off-Broadway, playwright, solo, theater actor, songwriter, recording artist, and former registered nurse who will transform your business. Her unique and powerful strategies and systems help prospects become clients fast. Lisa learned from the best. She has studied under Brendan Bruchard, Bo Eason, and Roger Love. As a speaker, she moves audiences, leaving them with a fiery inspiration, contagious energy, and powerful strategies for growing in business and in life. Her solo theater show, Too Big for Her Britches is a story about breaking generational abuse and finding self-love. It was a multiple award-winning show that has toured around the world, including Hollywood and off-Broadway on 42nd Street in New York City. Along with her husband, Eric, and their team at Infinite Design House, Lisa specializes in done-for-you branding, content creation, digital marketing, and lead generation. Sometimes the hardest part of business is being authentic to your voice and connecting with people. And that's what Lisa does best. Welcome, Lisa. It is so great to have you back. And oh my gosh. learned it from an 80s song. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. This is like the highlight of my day. So fun. So fun. Well, it has <laughs> been the gift that keeps on giving for me because, um, but I'm not going to have any spoiler alert quite yet. So what I think right now is the perfect time to have the big reveal as to what song best resonates with the story you're going to tell us today. Can I get a drum roll, please? <laughs> Lisa, what is your song choice of the day? Mm, push It by Salt and Peppa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am so pumped up right now. Oh. I have been listening to, well, here's where it all began. I, you know, of course I went down the rabbit hole, which we'll talk about in a moment of Salt and <laughs> Peppa in that song. Cause, oh yeah, we got some good stuff to share. But um, I also, you know, listened to the song and, I know, you know, based on what you're going to talk about a little bit, how it resonates. 
But I have to thank you for bringing that song in because like, what an incredibly motivational song. And then I went on Spotify and I did push, I did Salt and Pepper Radio. And mm. then, oh my God. I mean, it was Motown Philly. It was Creep. It was, I mean, I, went, I had a trip down. I had the best workout today. Let me just tell you. Right? <laughs> right? Oh, so good. So for those of you who uh, don't know the song, I, I am sorry for you, uh, but you've got to <laughs> listen to it right away. Uh, push it, Salt and Peppa. That's March of 1987. It was in the 87, it, um, it actually went to number 19 in 1988. Now, it was number 42 in the UK until they then performed at uh, Nelson Mandela's uh, 70th birthday party when it skyrocketed. That song skyrocketed to number two in the UK. It, mm. is, a, it is certified platinum record. Um, it is on VH1's top 100 greatest hip hop songs of all time. And um, I need to say who wrote the song. It would be Herbert, Herbie Azor and Ray Davis. So Ray Davis, you know, the kinks, right? The mm -hmm. kinks, you really got me. Mm -hmm. So Ray Davis got credit where credit was due, which I love when I see that, um, where instead of girl, you really got me going. They mm -hmm. push it. They say, boy, you really got me going. So they credit Ray Davis for that kink song. You really got me. And that's amazing. And I, I love to see where credit, giving credit where credit's due. Now, tell me a little bit about why, if you don't mind just touching on it, you'll tell it later after mm -hmm. your story, but just a little bit about this selection of your song and picking the song. Mm-hmm. I love, well, first, I mean, just from a musicality standpoint, I just love the sassiness of it. I love when that synth, you know, dun, 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 yes. dun, dun. like when that comes in, you can't not move. You can't yeah. not be like, I'm moving, I'm grooving, I'm doing things, I'm going places. Like you reassess your whole life in those synth yeah. drums, you know, sound <laughs> that comes in and you're like, all right, like, pick up your pep a little bit, pick up your right. pace. Like you got yeah. it. So to me, it's like such an uplifting female empowerment anthem. And I yes. think at a time when my gosh, the world is just, there's so many women's issues that we don't need to get into. But we, if oh, you're yeah. a woman, you know what it's like to navigate this world day in and day out. Right. Uh, so I think just the fact that, I mean, it's, it's two women, you know, yes. that, that are, that are rapping that really broke out in a time when women rappers was not really, you know, a huge thing. Not at all. And no. they chose to go for it in something that was misunderstood. So everyone thinks that that song, of course, women, they're like, oh, it's about women. Women rappers are talking about sex. You know, it's a scandalous. They're trying to shock and awe and, you know, they're trying to break out using their sexiness and making a song about sex. And that's mm. not at all what that song is about. That song has nothing to do with sex. It is about leaving it all on the dance floor, playing full out, owning that internal fire and that power and that quiet kind of confidence that you don't have to be showy. You don't have to, you know, overexert yourself. You got to push it in a way that feels right to you and feels good to you. 
And you're like, damn, I got this. I know who I am. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm all about. And I don't care what you think about me. Like, I'm going to leave it. No regrets. Going to leave it all out on the dance floor. So I love that message of having no regrets and going all in. And we're all so unique. You know, that's the piece that makes us different from everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the essence of that song. It's like, I don't have to push it like you. I got to push it like me. me. I don't got to push it like the person next to me. I got to push it in the way that I know how and own my individuality and, and own my authenticity and do it in a way that makes me feel good. Just because they're doing it that way doesn't mean I have to do it that way. Right. I'm going to do it how it feels right for me. So yes, it's a fun song. Yes, it's got a great beat. But the meaning behind it is really what kind of was a, a, a nice surprise yeah. that drew me in when I went, yes. okay, there's a deeper message here. And they really had to go up against, I mean, they had police called at their concerts, right? I saw that. So I know when I went down that rabbit hole, 1986 concert, then, and I actually, I went really deep into the rabbit hole. I wanted to find out where it was, but then I Mm -hmm. thought, you know, I'm not going to go there. I kind of let that rest. Um, I have my preconceived notions of where it may have happened, but I'm not going to, I'm not going there. But the police were called because, and I couldn't even believe this when I saw this in Wikipedia, the police thought they said pussy real good. And um, yeah, and that was push it real good. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was, a you know, so I guess they had to, and you correct me if I'm wrong, because we went through, both went through this rabbit hole. But they had to actually show proof of their lyrics to yep. the police in order yep. for them not to be arrested. So apparently they were waiting out there to take them in after their concert. Yep. They were waiting for that. And they're waiting for them to say that and then waiting for them to say some other inappropriate. Like, could you imagine when you're just showing up to give a concert to your fans and, and police are waiting, accusing you of saying, putting words in your mouth that you didn't say, and then waiting for you to say something inappropriate so they can arrest you. Every performer in 2020, <laughs> in the 2020s would be in jail right now. Like, right. if you look at it that way, I mean, like, look yeah. at, I mean, that says a lot. You know, there are so many ways that we could interpret that, but times have changed. Uh, yep. Thank God for that. And thank God Salt and Peppa didn't go to jail. You know, they were able to show proof that it was push it real good. And uh-huh. um, and and I need to say that Salt is is Cheryl James and Peppa is Sandra Denton. So, so those are the names behind behind the, the masters. So what an amazing song. And, and thank you again for bringing that song in. So good. It's one of my favorite like karaoke songs like. You just feel so good about yourself when you get into those lyrics and you start, you know, owning it, which is what that song is all about. So yeah, music video. Did you see the music video where oh, they got God, like, yeah. you know, the puffy jackets and the yes. high, the high top shoe, like 80s fashion was yes. just in that uh, video, off right? the charts. And we got DJ Spinderella. I mean, so good. You Triple guys threat. have your marching orders already. We do an action item. But right now it's to listen to Push It today. And um, and own it, uh, own your own push it 
as Lisa so beautifully said, your unique push it. <laughs> mm, I love it. Unique push it, not unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're well, not gonna go right. No. <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep it clean. We got to keep it clean. Ish, ish. Um, so Lisa, share with us uh, your story. Yeah. So since I was on last, you know, yes. last time I was doing a lot of keynote speaking and I was kind of using my own personal story and personal brand in a different way. Mm-hmm. What's shifted for me is in pandemic, uh, you know, talking about pushing it, not living with regret. I was posed this challenge in a mastermind group that you and I, uh, how we met in Bo Eason's mastermind. Yes. Um, I was posed with this challenge to come up with your 10-year plan. And what is the thing you want to achieve? What is the thing you've been holding back on that scares the crap out of you that you want to go after because it's now or never? And what came out for me was a one-woman show. (laughs) And I wrote that out on the page. And then I looked down at it and I went, are you kidding me? Like, where did this come from? Why is this on paper? And who that talk about imposter syndrome? Like, who the heck do you think you are going to go after a one woman show? You've never written. You've never acted. It ended up becoming a musical. You've never sang other than like karaoke. You know, I I could kick a tune with karaoke, but you've never been a professional trained singer. You've never wrote music. Like, what the heck? And I realized when I kind of dug a little bit deeper, theater was always in me as a kid. I always wanted to do it. I just never thought it was acceptable. I I never really, I never pushed it. So there was this one road that I grew up, small town, like less than a thousand people in the town. One road takes us everywhere. And there was this little theater called the Jim Thorpe Playhouse. And I can remember going by that because this one road took us to school, to the grocery store, to the movies, to the mall. And every time we go by it, I'm like, mom, I want to do theater. Mom, I want to do theater. And she's like, no, 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 we're not. We're just, no, we're not doing it. Mom, I want to do theater. No. And eventually I just gave up Mm. and I forgot about that. And then, and then I actually remembered that when I was in high school and I was playing sports every year, our senior play, we put on a play and I was on the basketball team. And then I had this little role and like one line in the school play. And I remember I skipped basketball practice because it was like my day to practice and be there to do my one line. Yes. And I got in like so, my coach was so mad at me. My parents were so mad at me. I got in so much trouble, but I'm like, that's, even though I did the sports route and that taught me a lot about life, theater was always this quiet Thing that I always wanted to do. I put it on the shelf. I forgot about it. And I said, that's just not going to happen for me. And then when I hit 40 in a pandemic, maybe it's like midlife crisis. I don't know, right? 40, I guess is midlife now. I thought I'm going for it. And, and the biggest mistake I made was that I thought I had to know how to do it all. And in reality, all I had to do was ask for help. So I started asking around. I started saying, Who knows playwrights? Who knows actors? Who knows people that have put up one woman shows? Like, I don't know how to do this. Who can help me? And that led me down the path of finding a director, uh, someone who helps. I found kind of an all-inclusive, kind of like what we do in our business. I found an all-inclusive team that helps you strategize your play, write your play, stage your play, put up your play, direct your play. Like they, They take you through from start to finish. Wow. Through our mastermind, I got connected with a songwriting coach. 
Um, so, you know, in, in under a year, I, I, I learned how to be an actor, singer, songwriter, and got the, the, the story written and up and out. And, and I've been able to take this all the way to off Broadway. I was in New York city this past fall and it's, it's really pushing it, um, and breaking that barrier of, I didn't have to act or sing or have a play like anybody else. I had to own my story and I had to bring all of me to it and I had to push it in the best way, you know, that I knew how and keeping it authentic to me has been the most fun part is that, uh, you know, in the beginning I was like, well, I don't sing as good as that person and I don't act as good as that person, but I'm getting better as I'm doing it. And it's like, that's the journey. Sometimes I think that's hard in adulthood because we're not really, we don't give ourselves a lot of grace in adulthood to learn new things because we don't want to look stupid. We're like, I've already, you know, this, this should come easy to me because I've had success at other things in my life. And that's not the case. I was willing to kind of go back to the drawing board and go, okay, I'm brand new. I'm learning. Let's get better every day. Um, and it's now it's become, you know, an off-Broadway hit and audiences love it. Critics love it. And I'm taking it to Scotland at the largest fringe festival, arts festival in the world this Amazing. year. Um, so I'm so excited about just where the journey has gone. And, you know, a little over a year, it'll be almost, you know, two years kind of thing. You can do anything when you follow that vision and believe in yourself and push it. <laughs> uh, uh, real good. And, real good. Uh, <laughs> Okay. I I mean, I, that's a lot to unpack audience. I'm thinking about, I've been watching your journey and I know you personally, and I have been, you know, blown away and excited and goosebumps. I got to watch your little clips that you would put up and then to just watch all of the reviews come in and see, you know, just the audiences respond to, to this, very amazing story and very personal story. And oh, maybe yes. if you don't mind, you know, sharing maybe a little bit, a little synthesis of, of the show. Um, and if you listened, I imagine if you listen to Lisa's last podcast, you'll probably hear some elements of her story in this synthesis of, of her show. And I, I just, first off, before you answer that, I just need to say huge congratulations. Mm -hmm. And I I've watched the journey. I'm so excited for you. I am going to see you at Fringe and, and Scotland. And yes. I can't wait. Huge congratulations on that. But share with us a little bit for those that haven't had the opportunity to see it and then how they might be able to see it in the future. Yeah. So the name of the show is Too Big for Her Britches. Um, which is, of course, any woman that's ever been told they're too loud, too much, too this, too that, um, and really dimmed their light, you know, being told that they are too much, they need to tone it down, and they need to know their place. And it's about untangling from a narcissistic parent, which can be, like Push It, very misunderstood, very taboo. You know, so many people say, but it's your mom. You know, but you're going to regret if you, if you set a boundary or you you go no contact, which is what I had to do because my mom is a malignant narcissist. Mm -hmm. She she has had so much pain in her life 
that she doesn't know how to manage that. You know, therapy was very taboo back when our parents grew up. Mm -hmm. Like you didn't, you swept it under the rug. You didn't talk about it. You grinned and bared it. Everything was fine and everything was not fine. You know, my mom is that extreme narcissist that manipulates, controls, gaslights, belittles, and it led me down a path. You know, when you're a child and you grow up in that scenario, you don't think there's something wrong with my parents. You think there's something wrong with me. You don't think, why don't they love me? You think I'm unlovable. It's me. There's something wrong with me. And that exploration of that allowed me to have a lot of grace for my younger self when I looked at the men that I chose to date, uh, the careers, you know, it, it's not uncommon for women to get into a like I was a nurse for many years, you know, this caretaking mm-hmm. everyone else's needs before yours at all costs, you know, kind of role. I had, you know, an eating disorder when I was younger. I was bulimic. I had an exercise addiction because it was the only thing that I could control. And I thought if I'm skinnier and I'm smaller and I'm prettier, then they'll love me. You know, I excelled at sports because I thought if I get straight A's and I'm I'm the captain of the team, then they'll love me, right? I went to nursing school because that's what my mom wanted me to do. Well, if I listen to what she says, then she'll love me. But the problem is with the narcissist, you don't ever, they don't know how. They can't, they love themselves more than they love you. Right. And everything is a reflection of them. So if you screw up, It's not that you were bad. They see themselves as bad and they take, I'm a failure as a mother is what my mother saw. So I'm going to make you, I'm going to criticize and tell you, I wish you were never born and say, I wish you were never my daughter. I kind of explode like a toddler and take out all my rage and aggression and anger at you. So the play is about how I survived growing up in that environment undoing and having grace for all those decisions that I made when I was lost and confused, owning that, and then going to therapy, how I built back my own self-worth, self-love, and now created this life with my husband and my son and really broke that narcissistic kind of generational Mm -hmm. trauma and how I was able to build this family that I love. And it sounds really heavy, but it's really funny. Like when you can use comedy, you know, that ebb and flow of taking you to the lowest of the low, but then using comedy in the funniest, like good comedy stems from a lot of pain Pain. sometimes, right? 100%. And, you know, I was able with my writing coach and my acting coach and just my movement coach and all of this and, and creating, you know, I play 20 characters, male, female, no props, no costume changes, just pure physicality, tone, expressions, body. And I was really able just to bring some humor to some of these characters. And it's just such a great, it's described as both heartbreaking and hilarious at the same time. Yes. Yes. So that's the yes. balance that you need, right? A hundred percent. And I, I love that you're bringing up humor and uh, it's actually on my reflection today, oddly. And, <laughs> um, and I was thinking about how, you know, humor, using humor with the human condition is 
number one, it, it helps boost positive uh, emotions and helps us, you know, manage, you know, the pain. And from the audience perspective, as we're watching that, we're seeing our own lives and we're seeing our own humanness, right? And then it also mm-hmm. allows us then to laugh at our own selves, you know, and like, oh yeah, I do that sometimes or, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's like, yeah, I know this, 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 this resonates, yeah. you know, and yeah. I just think it's beautiful that it's such incredible writing that I can't wait to see it, that you were able to bring those two together because it does make this, this humanness that we, we are human beings after all, and we have to experience, you know, pain, but that's also how we get to grow. And that's how you're putting on, you're pushing it real good and, and putting out this amazing show, you know, to help others that have, may have been in similar situations or, or who are in similar situations and inspiring them. And I just, God, you know, I, I can only imagine the emotional work that you had to do to be able to share the pain, to be able to share pain and that vulnerability to an audience. Um, I mean, you got to be incredibly uh, strong and have done the work. And it sounds like that was a big piece of this. When you play other characters, it's similar to when we were in Bo's Mastermind Mm -hmm. and we used to have to write the story from the other person's perspective. Yes. That character who may have done the most horrible thing to you, said the most horrible thing, did the most horrible thing, not at all justified. Not at all saying it's okay what they did, but you have to get into their mind because in their mind, they feel they are right. In their mind, it is justified and right and valid to them. So it takes you down this rabbit hole of forgiveness, acceptance, of thinking Maybe I would make the same choice if I was in their shoes. Maybe I would make the same mistake. Maybe I wouldn't choose the right thing. Maybe I wouldn't say the right thing. The interesting part about playing villains or playing the con- the conflicting people in your life is that you see this compassion that you could be the villain in someone else's story or you could hurt other people just as the same way they hurt you. And it's humanizing them. And it's just this interesting forgiveness that you go, oh, you don't really hate me. You hate yourself. Oh, you don't Mm -hmm. really think I'm stupid. You think you're stupid Mm -hmm. and how horrible. You don't really think that I'm overweight and ugly. You, When you look in the mirror, you think you're overweight and ugly. You think you're a failure. You think you're not good enough. And you start to go, wow. What is the world like? How do they see the world through their eyes? No wonder why they said that to me. Doesn't make it right, but you go, oh, that's not my pain. That's actually your pain. Or that's my famous phrase, forgive my language, but I always say that's not my shit. That's your shit. And I'm giving that back to you. Right. And it's just, it was, I felt like I lost like. 200 pounds of anger, rage, grief, pain, sadness. It just lifted. Mm. It just lifted. And Mm. and it really is true about telling your story heals you and heals your brain. And I will caveat and say, I did go back into therapy. You know, therapy, like you you can't attack these things on your own. You need help. You need support. And that's really all therapy is. It's support. It's support as you navigate 
scary challenges and big things. And it was, yeah, it was just a really cool journey. I don't have any anger or anything towards anyone in my life. I'm just at such a resolved place yes. from doing this thing. Yes. And really, and like you said, really putting yourself in those, the other person's shoes and being able to see it as hard as that is, especially if you're a wee bit stubborn, like I am, you know, yeah. it's like, I don't want to see it from that way. My way is right. No, that's right. That's right. They're just a jerk. Period. Done. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. So I can see how beneficial that would be. And, and also just practicing compassion and, and how I wonder now, you know, t- going into your life and when things happen, I wonder if your brain, you know, shifted slightly that you're already like, oh, you know, this is what's happening here. This person is feeling this way and I bet she's feeling this way because blah, 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 you know, and it's not about me. It's about her feeling this way. Oh, you learn to not take things personal. Like, like people say that or like, it's not about you. It's about them, but it doesn't really land until you kind of do this work and you really start to see, yeah, they're not mad at me. They're mad about, or I remind them of, of their their, you know, controlling mother or their jerk ex-husband or their teenager who just shouts obscenities at them. And it's just, they're having this huge argument right now. You remind them of something that's, that that's not great in their life. And that's why they're taking that out on you. Yes. And really that pause and that like reflection, you know, the old me, Mm or the, you know, the, what we do, it's human nature to bite back or to fight back or to, and now I'm like, huh, let me just take a minute. I'm not going to answer that email right away. I'm not going to write back to that text right away. I'm going to gut check. I'll go to Eric and be like, here's how I'm reading this. Are you reading this the same way? And sometimes he'll be like, that's not at all how I'm taking it, babe. And I'm like, oh, okay. Then that's my own stuff. So it just gives you that ability to really see everyone's perspective, yes. which is a, a cool it's way. It's broadening of perspectives. I mean, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I'm really, I, I'm, I'm very excited because I can't wait. yes, I, I can't wait to see your show. And I, I'm going to say that like a lot of my research that I did for my dissertation was in the creative arts and oh. how creativity breeds positive emotions and then positive emotions breeds more creativity. So it becomes this like upward spiral. And with that, with positive emotions, with creativity, perspectives are broadened. And in your instance, in your case, it is incredible because you can look at the perspectives that's changed about about people in your current life, about people from your past. You know, uh, I, I just think it must, you're, you're, your synapses in your brain just must be, you know, on fire. <laughs> yeah. And, and for the audience member. Yes. Sometimes, you know, therapy can be scary for people, but when you see a great movie or you see a great, like you see yourself in someone on a screen or on a stage or in a book, you feel less alone. You go, yes. wow, someone else you know, one of the lines in my play is, you know, my mom says, like, you're not going to go to therapy. Everyone, I got dumped by my boy, you know, first, first love, first boyfriend, thought we were going to get married, dumped me, went to college, found, you know, beer and girls and dumped me. And I'm like, I feel bad about this. I want to go to therapy. And my mom's like, no, 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 you're not going to go to therapy. They're going to think you're crazy. 
We don't talk about our problems. You're not going to get a job. I had an audience member come up to me after a show and said, my mom said the exact same words to me. Don't go to therapy. They're going to think you're crazy. It's going to affect your record. You're not going to be able to get a job. And she said, I've never felt, I I thought my mom was the only one that ever said those kinds of things to me. Like, I can't believe that. And then seeing what you did. And I said to her, well, did you go to therapy? And she's like, no. And I said, after seeing my play, are you going to go talk about and go to therapy? And it was a long pause that felt like an hour, probably like 10 seconds. And she said, yeah, I am. She said, your show has shown me that it's okay. And I can go and work on myself and I can get through this pain that I've been carrying. She was in her early 20s. She's like for 20 some years. Wow. I thought that's cool that my play was that tipping point for her. So the arts and creative work, it just, you never know how it's going to touch that person on the other end. And that's what drives me really to do it is knowing that impact that there's somebody sitting in my audience that feels alone, that feels, you know, down, that feels unimportant, that feels disregarded, that just wants to fit in and doesn't feel like they do. And if they can feel like theater really has that sense of belonging. Mm. And even if it's for that 70 minutes of my show, if they can feel like they belong in that room and they can be seen in a character that I play, then that's everything to me. That's what I love about the benefit of the artist, but also the benefit for the audience number two, right? Yes. So much benefit for the audience because they're, they, like we had talked about, they're really putting themselves in, 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 in your show, but through their lens and can feel all of those things. And it broadens their perspective because, you know, they're looking at things in a different way. And I totally agree with you on, and I know there's research behind it on being in a show and, or going to a concert. There Mm. is this sense of belonging in Lamont. Andrea Lamont Mm. is the one, she did a lot of research on this, on going concert going and how, and theater, absolutely musicals would count in this as well just about this sense of belonging. And, and a lot of people find their purpose and meaning in being among, you know, hundreds or hundreds of thousands, like depending on what arena you're in and, and, and that you do feel this connection or this also this altruism, right? Yes. There's something beyond us as, a, as the individual that we are collective, we're a we. And yes. I, was, I was supposed to go to Tina Turner with a friend, um, and when I was in London and I, she couldn't make it. And so I went alone and I had never been to a show alone before. You know, I'd been to a movie by myself maybe, but I don't think I've even done that actually. So it was my, actually my first time going to something alone. And, wow. you know, I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to go and enjoy it. And, and I remember doing this research about how you do feel a sense of of the collective or of belonging, like you had meant beautifully mentioned. And it was true when I was listening to the Tina Turner, the musical, which was mind blowingly amazing. Mm. The show was incredible on the West end. And I remember feeling very much part of the audience and are very much part of everybody that was there, even though I was by myself and there was a seat next to me that was empty, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole different experience. It's like you forget about the rest of the world. That's what a good play or a good musical or a good movie or a good book 
you know, yes. does for you. Good TV show. That's why people binge things, right? Like you, you, you get lost in the yes. art. You forget about the rest of the world for a while and you yes. go into yourself and into what's in front of you. And right. that's such a cool gift to give mm. yourself. Yes. you know, to be able to be able to do that. So it's and been, for you ugh, to give so to the audience. Rewarding. So again, thank you yeah. for for the work and and for providing this for everyone and to see. And I can't wait to see it. So, so thinking about strengths, you know, the Via Strengths. Uh, you took the Via Strengths assessment, which the first time around I didn't mm. include it in the podcast, but now now I do. And so I got to see your amazing package of strengths. So. <laughs> Guys, we're talking about the VIA strengths, and there are 24 character strengths, and your signature strengths are generally around your three, you know, number one to five or one to seven are generally your signature strengths. And those, that's the place where you really feel lit up, right? You know, for instance, social intelligence is one of mine. And when I'm in with people or connecting with people, I am in my happy place. I could do it all the time. You know, it, I, I feel, positive emotions, all of those things. And so those are your signature strengths. And, you know, Lisa, and you'll, I'll read them off if you don't mind, Lisa, because I think everybody will, when I saw your number one, so her number one is honesty. (laughs) And I was like, yes. I mean, what I love about you is, is the honesty, like I, your authenticity, you are who you are. And I know that's taken work to, to get there. However, just you as a human, you know, when I've ever I've connected with you, I've felt that honesty. And mm-hmm. I feel that look at what she's doing, you know, audience, how she is putting on a show that is so authentic and honest. Things that yeah. a lot of us are still sweeping under the rug, but yet no, she talks about it and puts it on stage, you know, and performs it. And for for and that honesty and that level of vulnerability that comes with it, amazing, amazing really living in your number one strength. That show mm-hmm. is living in your number one, which is, an, and creativity in number two. <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, you have to play, how many characters did you say? 20, 20 <sighs> characters. Yep. Unbelievable. And that 20 is characters, so hard. Yeah, 20 characters and 11 original songs in 70 minutes. This thing like goes. Yep. Wow. Yep. Oh, oh my God. And then love of learning which since Lisa, you heard Lisa and I going down the rabbit hole. So that means we love to learn and we can't, some people got pull us out and say it's enough, you know, like come back, you know, (laughs) so So true learning. Yep. (laughs) Let me look that up for about six hours. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I need a deep understanding. I need a deep understanding of this thing on a path to mastery. Yeah. So true. (laughs) Yeah. So I, that's my number one. And so I'm, you're feeling my pain right now. And then you've got judgment, curiosity, humility, and you can hear me. Humility is really about being humble and, and, and you, and you said it earlier. Oh, this is so brilliant. Uh, you said it earlier, how people are unique and you want to push it the way you said this earlier, push it the way you want to push it, not the way the person next to you is going to push it. And, you know, you with humility, you also recognize every other people's light yes. and often not able to, you know, to toot your own horn, right? Because that's part of humility, the, you know, but, right. but certainly able to, to see it in others and to encourage it in others as well. 
Yes. So cool. So cool. And yeah, so, and then you say, and I'm going to quote you unless you remember you writing this, but you also have leadership and zest in there, social intelligence, 100%. So it's social intelligence, leadership, zest. And then you said, this deepens my why. Mm. And then you said, push it is not about staying small. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's about realizing what you have to offer to the world and giving it. It's really about service. And anytime you say, well, I'd really like to, you know, looking at that declaration, I'd really like to to have a one woman show, but I I wasn't trained in this. People are going to think I'm bad at it. Critics are going to hate me. Audiences are going to say it sucks. I'm going to look stupid. You know, I'm not skinny enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not talented enough. You're thinking about yourself. You're staying small. When, as we talked about, it's when you do the courageous thing, it's that ripple effect. Mm. And it helps. It not only heals you and helps you discover things about yourself, but it also heals the audience. And I mean, I love being able to say, you know, off-Broadway, playwright, actor, da 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 But it's really who I've become in the journey that's been the biggest gift mm. to me. And it's that ability to not, not diminish and play small. You don't serve anyone when you play small. So yep. pushing it is about owning it and being, I got this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to try. I'm going to see what happens when I say yes and I try. Yes. Mm. Well, I think we are, we've all seen what happens when Lisa puts her mind in her. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I am it relentless. Happens. Is that in there too? I am relentless. Uh, yes. <sighs> Amazing. And I really can't wait to see you in action. So for those of you in Edinburgh, Scotland is the Fringe Festival. And just like Lisa had mentioned, what's special about it is that there are hundreds of shows and performances going on during that month. And apparently, since I'm in Switzerland, this is a very well-known thing. And actors from like big time top entertainers to new artists, all are there. Some are practicing for comedy. Big name comedy people may go there to practice new content before they take it on the road. And, and then there are new, there are performances like, like Lisa's that you can see. She's a new performer, right? A new artist, I should say. And, and she's creating her career in this. And then there are people like Lisa putting on these shows. Um, and this is in Edinburgh, Scotland, You're going to want to, word on the street, is that you're going to want to start booking your hotels and your tickets now because, you know, it it is the biggest event in the world, as I have heard, and you want to be there. Oh, yeah. Sir Ian McKellen did Hamlet at Fringe. Like, so there's everything from, as you said, like someone like myself who's just in it, you know, year to years to like actors that are you know, using it for their own platforms and going there and doing things. It's uh, over 800 shows a day. Come on, really? I forget. I think they sold over like 3 million tickets last year. Like Holy it just, the Fringe takes over Scotland. there for the, for the entire month. Fringe takes over Scotland. <laughs> but it, someone described it to me as like a band camp for theater kids. And I was like, yes. oh, oh. Like, sign me up. Like, I was like, I want to go to theater band camp. Like, 
you know, <laughs> between meeting people and seeing other shows, like you're just immersed. And there's every kind of comedy. To, there's ev anything, sci-fi to horror to comedy to mine, which is like a human connection kind of story to circus acts and magicians. And I mean, there's just like any kind of show or theater or any kind of performance that you want to see. It's there. Sounds oh, like yeah. a candy store for me and my love for the arts. You know, right. I just, I can't, I can't wait. Oh my yeah. God. They have kids programming. I mean, there's just all sorts of, there's something oh. for everybody there, which is very cool. Well, you guys get your marching orders, get all head to Scotland. That's right. Um, I'll see you this there. <laughs> summer in August for three weeks. And I didn't write the dates down, but it's three weeks in August. You can go on. You know, I'm going to put it in the show notes, guys, so you can see how to get to see Lisa in uh, Scotland during Fringe. I'll put mm -hmm. that in the show notes. So next, we have discussed how the song resonates. Is there anything that you would like to add with Push It? Mm. I just think it's cool. That story that we told about how police were there, just like waiting for them to screw up and say the wrong thing. And, you know, they focused on giving a good show. Like they, they focused on what they were there to do, which was perform for the audience and like live their art and do their thing. And I just love that metaphor about how so many times, especially as a performer, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, even as a speaker, like your, if you have a PowerPoint, it might not work. Your mic might stop working. As a performer, you know, the lights might be down or the sound system. They might, your tech guy might hit a wrong cue or like an audience member. I've had audience members where people are like laughing uncontrollably, like crying uncontrollably. People laugh at inappropriate times. They make noises. People are opening candy wrappers and like, it's just a gong show sometimes, right. you know, when you're like giving a live performance or really anything in life, you know, the unexpected can happen. And I just thought that was really great that they just kind of rooted themselves in like, you know, what am I here to do? And a lot of times yeah. I ask myself that a lot in life. Like, I'm like, what am I here to do right now? I'm here to be, you know, the supportive wife or what am I here to do right now? I'm here to give this keynote speech and like kick butt and serve these business owners, or I am here to perform this show. I'm here to be a performer. I can't control the lights and the audience and the people and the, I can yes. control me and my performance. And I just thought that was cool that like, they didn't let other people kind of take them out of what they were there to do. Right. They were there to perform. They were there to put on a show and they, you know, and they did it. And I and think that's just it. such a good check, like a good gut check of like, yeah. Do what you know how to do and what you're there to do and don't worry about all the rest. Yes. I mean, you've got the police standing there as you're trying scary, to, you know, scary. sing and afraid that, I mean, I get nervous just, you know, when the police in Switzerland walk by, I feel like, you know, I look at them, I'm like, oh, it wasn't me. You know, like I get nervous just watching them as like, you know, know, any police officer walks by. Like, I you get didn't nervous. Do you didn't do anything wrong, do yet you feel wrong. like you broke all the rules, right? And all the laws. Yes. Yes. And then here they are performing and they're just waiting, waiting for them to make that one mistake. Yep. Eyes on you. And they yet they had a job to do and they did it beautifully and inspired so many people, I'm sure, at that concert. Really well said. Well said. So would you have an action item for our audience, like something that, you know, you feel would be beneficial or that's helped you through this journey 
of mm. becoming a uh, your one man off Broadway yes. show. Yeah, I think we all have that little, you know, voice or urge. Like there, there's something that guaranteed there's something you wanted to do and you haven't done it in your life because you've let the I'm too old, I'm too this, I'm too that, I don't have enough, I'm I didn't come from this. How could I? I'd be selfish if I did that. You know, Marie Forleo has this exercise. It's so simple and it like changed my whole world. And she literally says, you write out, wouldn't it be cool if, and then you set the timer for like two, three minutes and you just write and you don't judge, you know, whether it's like, wouldn't it be cool if I moved to Switzerland? Wouldn't it be cool if I did a one woman show? Wouldn't it be cool if I wrote a best-selling book? Wouldn't it be cool if I went to Paris and saw the Eiffel Tower? Like, wouldn't it be cool if I learned how to cook? Wouldn't it be cool if I redecorated my kitchen? Like it could be from the littlest to the big. Wouldn't it be cool if I learned how to paint? You know, the littlest to the biggest thing. You just let yourself kind of let it all come out without judgment and guaranteed there's something in there that sparked creativity, joy. It sparked that thing that Mm -hmm. you're like, wouldn't it be cool if I pushed it? Because it is out. I mean, all of those things are out of your comfort zone, yes. whether it's learning to cook, redecorating, playing an instrument, doing a show, you know, from learning a little German, thing, you know, learning German, <laughs> starting a business, learning, yes. like, right, learning a new language, you yes. know, but when you're willing to kind of go, you know what, I'm just going to see, like, wouldn't it be cool? Let's do that. Let's try. Let's push it a little bit out of our comfort zone because What we, all those fears and worries and like all those limiting beliefs and things that take us out, none of it is true. None of it is true. You're like, I can't tell you how many times I was like, I'm going to go on stage. I'm going to forget all my lines. People are going to get up and walk out. The critics are going to say it sucks and I'm going to be done. Okay. A, that never, ever, like none of that ever happened. Right. And then B, it's like, okay, let's play worst case scenario. What if that does happen? What if I forget all my lines, everyone hates it, et cetera, et cetera. Is that going to stop me? If I love what I'm doing and I'm determined to not play small and I'm rooted in my why and I'm going to go for it, it's a learning lesson. I'll learn. Okay, I forgot all my lines. Well, maybe I should rehearse a little bit more. Okay, the critics hated it. Well, you're not going to please everyone. Okay, the audience members walked out. Again, back to that, maybe something in my show triggered something really uncomfortable for them. It's not that they hated it. Maybe they just got really emotional and had to step out and compose themselves. Maybe they had to take a phone call, an unexpected phone call. You don't know. You don't know. Right? You don't know. So I think it's just that, you know, it's, it's, you just, again, start to look at your life with that optimism and what's possible. What's possible. When you allow yourself that permission and just go, wouldn't it be cool if... And you see what comes out on that paper. I love that exercise. I think that's brilliant. So guys, that is our action item. We are going to, we are going to write it down. Wouldn't it be cool if, and set a timer, depending on what time you've got, five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, whatever it might be, or until the pen, pen, you've just run out (laughs) of things. Wouldn't it be cool if, and do that. And you know, I think that's just such, such an incredibly beneficial exercise. So thank you for bringing that in. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay. Last but not least, well, we have two things. I'm going to put the fringe in the show notes. How do we get a hold of you, Lisa? What's the best way to get a hold of you if they want to work with you? If because 
you know, Lisa uh-huh. and Eric have their own business and I use them for, they have helped me really tell my story on my website, which I will be retelling a bit as well now that mm-hmm. I've, I've, uh, you know, advanced my career a bit. So anyway, yeah. I highly recommend the two of them, Eric and Lisa for SEO, for creating your website, creating your brand content, you know, whatever it is, especially if you're an entrepreneur, they are the people to work with. And I'm just going to be honest with you because guess what? Honesty is in her top strengths. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yes. Our agency is called Infinite Design House. So if you go to www.infinitedesignhouse.com, you can find all about our strategy, branding, content creation, digital marketing, lead generation agency. And then Lisa Pizik, Lisa.Pizik on Instagram, Lisa Pizik on Facebook, Lisa Pizik on LinkedIn. Um, if you search my name, you'll see my show. Ooh, also the album, and <gasps> half of the album, I added four new, I have 11 songs now. I originally had seven. So seven of them are out on Spotify, iTunes, oh. the Too Big for Her Britches original, original <gasps> soundtrack is out. You can hear the music, you can download. That was an audience request, which is very cool. They're like, we love this music. We want to play it. We want to hear it, like make an album. And I'm like, okay, I will, which is pretty cool. So half of the album is out. But yeah, if you search my name or Infinite Design House, you'll find all the goods. Super. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I can't wait. I can't wait to check it out. All right. Finally, last but not least, 80s trends. So let's talk about 80s trends. So tell me, Lisa, what would be like, you know, if we could flash back to the 80s, you know, um, I know you were just a baby, but flashing back, (laughs) what were your favorite trends of the 1980s? Okay. So I think what needs to come back and salt and Peppa had it in their push it video. If you watch it, they have like the big gold chunky chains. Like I like big chunky jewelry. I know there are times when simplicity and less is more and, you know, little pearls or little thing, but I love like big, bold earrings, big Mm -hmm. and like neon, like neon green hoops and like, you know, bright pink, chunky necklace. Like I just love bold, chunky, like rings and necklaces, earrings, three bangles. Like, I think the accessories are where it's at. Now, I don't know if a fanny pack or like the fanny pack was in the 80s, but that's actually quite functional and practical as well. I have one. I mean, full disclosure, I had a fanny pack on the Swiss Alps. I had to have it. I like I like my water. I like my things in my pack when I'm up there in the Alps. You never know what you'll need. Your phone. It's convenient. Your hands free. Yep. You're not going to be worrying about lugging anything on your back or your hands or so chunky jewelry, fanny packs. Yes. Big hair. I'm not opposed to big hair. No. Like big, I think like too big, like too big for your britches. Too big is a good thing. Yes. You're not meant to say small, like no. wear the chunky jewelry, do the big hair, get the big fanny pack around your waist. Yes, exactly. Like, well, you know, let's do it. Let's do let's, it. let's express ourselves. Let's like, express you're gonna next I want to be in like you know stage wear, and then when I come out afterwards, I'm gonna have like chunky jewelry <laughs> and the fanny pack. Exactly. And all the things, right? That's oh, awesome. Yeah, that's when I see you in Scotland, when we'll right. have 
we can fit, you know, all kinds of things in our fanny pack and people can be jealous that, gosh, you know, I wish I brought my fanny pack. That's right. I can have like a, you know, beer in one hand, a glass of wine in the other, you know, and I got my hands free. I'm good. Right. I mean, that's maybe we need to invent that, like a bottle of wine fanny pack, you know, one that's just a little longer, a little, a little little holster, (laughs) a little holster for it. Yeah. Right. I'm telling you. Yes. I love it. We got to bring it, it back. We got to bring it I back. It. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Lisa. I'm so happy to have you here. And everybody, you know, in the show notes, you can check out how to get in touch with her, how to work with her, how to see her show as well. And if I can, I'll also put in your Spotify link too. Yes. So, yeah. I'll so that way they you. can, you can, everybody can yeah. hear her music. So, but uh, thank you again for being on the show again. And I'm super excited for you, Lisa. This was so much fun. Thank you for this platform, for asking all these insightful questions and just bringing joy, bringing joy and goodness to people's day is what this is about. So thank you for helping me and allowing me to be a part of it. Yes, thank you. And until next time. Thank you so much for listening. We want to hear from you. First of all, tell us how these totally rad stories have inspired you. If you have a story with an 80s song inspiration, we want to hear it. You think this podcast is like totally tubular? Well, we would love your review. Stay connected with us on Podopolo and download the app today. Visit me at www.patriciafreiberg.com. Thank you, and we look forward to a double boost of inspiration next Motivational Music Monday.